that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Didn't seem like we get we got to talk a lot last week. Uh, missed a few days because of sickness and uh, Indiana State high school playoffs. Also, I would have been able to do the show that day anyways uh, because I, I was feeling ill for the majority of the weekend. Feeling better now, not 100%. I don't know if you can tell by my voice or not, but uh, we're not all the way there just yet, but we're getting better, and I'm feeling good about it. So uh, able to do the show today, and there's plenty to talk about, so I'm not sure I'd be able to uh, <clears throat> miss a show it, because, again, it's it's a busy Monday, a lot going on, a big weekend for U.K. sports, uh, a big weekend for Louisville sports. So... Uh, let's get right to it. And we didn't get to preview Kentucky's game against Kansas, which was unfortunate. Uh, not Kansas, Texas, excuse me. Um, did get to preview Kentucky's game against Kansas when we did that a little while back. Uh, but they, the game against Texas was interesting. It, it was a game where you didn't feel great about it when you were watching. If you were a Kentucky fan, you didn't feel that Kentucky played very well, and, and there's good reason to to feel that. Kentucky gets out rebounded. That's very rare for this Kentucky team, for any John Calipari team. Uh, but you would have never thought that this team would get out rebounded, especially the way that they did. Ended up uh, Texas with 15 more rebounds and 15 more rebounds, but Kentucky out-rebounded Texas in the second half. So that shows you just how dominant the Longhorns were on the board in the first half, and it was a tie game, 26-26. So Kentucky didn't play well, and they ended up getting a 12-point win, and uh, there were just uh, countless free throws, 61 free throw shot on the night, um, 51 fouls, which is an unbelievable number. Uh, it was an ugly game. You knew Texas was going to try to muddy it up, but it worked. If you're Texas, you have to like that game plan. You like to, you have to like the pace of the game and how everything went. But you still end up losing by double digits. Unfortunately for Kentucky, I think that was a you're going to see teams use that recipe to beat them. And the thing is, there's not as many big teams like Texas that will be able to execute it as well as they did. So it, it might not work, but you're going to see a lot of ugly games against Kentucky this year. You're going to see a lot of fouls against Kentucky, and you're going to see UK shoot a lot of free throws as this season drags on. So it's understandable why it wasn't the prettiest of games for UK. <clears throat> but again, at the end of the day, you hit one three, and that three coming late. We're going to talk a little bit about that three-point streak uh, that has been made such a big deal lately because it's been in, in jeopardy of of ending the last two games and last night against Eastern Kentucky included. Um, but you only hit one three against Texas. You do get out-rebounded. You have 26 fouls. You give up 29 free throws at home. And you're still able to win that game by double digits. So while it was ugly, there is some positives to take away. And, and I think anybody would say that that Texas team is legit. 
the AP poll came out today. Kentucky's still number one. Obviously, that's not a surprise. Texas just drops to number eight, just two spots. So obviously, the people voting realize that uh, Texas had a really tough task at hand uh, competing with Kentucky, and they did a great job. They did as good a job as anybody has this season. And really, as good as a job as I think anybody will do until that Louisville game late in December. And they were without their point guard. You, you got to wonder how that's going to how that would have changed things had they had had they had him. So this is going to be a good Texas team, and, and certainly one to look out for later in the season. As they get better, as Miles Turner develops a little bit, and once Isaiah Taylor, again, that point guard that I uh, talked about, once he gets healthy and gets back on that team. Again, I kind of went off on Rick Barnes earlier in the week last week talking about how I I don't think he does a very good job, and uh, it's crazy not to start Miles Turner. Miles Turner only played 18 minutes, didn't really have his best performance, and fouled out, had trouble against UK's depth up front. Uh, but he did a good job against Kentucky, and again, I think this team is going to be a team that will push for a Final Four. Uh, certainly, will make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, and, and we'll see. We'll follow the progress. The AP poll did come out today. Let's mention that, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that Kentucky-Texas game, more so about Kentucky's side and and some of the players and what they were able to do. Willie Collie Stein's big game, but the AP poll came out today. Kentucky remains number one. Duke jumps up two spots to number two. After beating Wisconsin last week, Arizona stays at number three, and Louisville jumps from five to four. Wisconsin drops from two to five. So you have the same top five, just in a slightly different order. Arizona very lucky to beat Gonzaga. The game goes to overtime. Gonzaga had chance after chance, and really, I felt, was the better team, at least in that game. I think Arizona overall is the better team, but Gonzaga outplayed Arizona. Arizona was able to come out with the win at home. Uh, we would have been very, very close to a uh, number having Louisville and Kentucky both in the top three. Uh, Louisville played this weekend. They also played on Friday. <clears throat> Same with Kentucky. It was kind of it was kind of made it a fun sports weekend having some good basketball games on on Friday. And then obviously having all the football games. And we're going to talk about the football. We're going to talk about the college football playoffs. It's going to be a jam packed show. Uh, but Louisville was able to beat Florida International and. and a game where Louisville's offense looked better. Still kind of a, just a blah game. I had both games on. I was sick. I had nothing else to do, so I was watching both of them. Uh, the Louisville one wasn't overly entertaining, in my opinion. But, again, all things considered, that's understandable. But now Louisville looks forward to playing Indiana tomorrow night. And we, I've made my opinion known about Indiana and what they've – the offseason troubles that they've had, the expectations heading into this season, losing to Eastern Washington uh, earlier this year. Uh, but I, I do think that game against Louisville is going to be a tougher game for Louisville than people think. And I don't know if I've seen a line on that game. Um, I would probably, if I were to put it, I'd probably put it as Louisville a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite. I feel like Vegas might put it around eight-and-a-half or nine maybe even more than that. But I think Indiana's going to keep that game a little bit closer. I think they're going to live and die by the three. And Louisville's much bigger inside, much more dominant inside. But I, I think Tom Crean's going to do everything he can not to let... They're going to put an emphasis on blocking out. They're going to put an emphasis on getting bodies on guys like Montrez Harrell and, and Matthew Yang, assuming that he's healthy. Um, 
and I and I, I criticize Ohio State so much for playing a zone against Louisville, but that might be something that Indiana needs to do because again they don't have the bodies. I thought Ohio State did have the bodies, and I went on a big argument about that last week, but I won't get into it this week. Yates, how are you? I'm good, TJ. How are you? Took me a little longer to get into that today, but I felt like I missed some time last week. Needed to talk some sports before we got into the uh, to the haze and hellos. But uh, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was a pretty good weekend. All right, that's good. That's good. Uh, college football playoff came out yesterday. Uh, it, it it didn't have quite a selection Sunday feel to it, but it still kind of was fun to watch and and see. And there certainly was some mystery to it. Uh, what you did you watch it live, Yates? And 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 what'd you make of the four teams that got in? Alabama, Oregon, uh, number three Florida State, and number four Ohio State. The 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 kind of underdog dark horse team that got in. I, I did not watch it live. We were helping some friends move, so I missed the show itself. Uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with the top four. I think where all the, I think this goes back to something we talked about uh, earlier in the season. I think where all the, the issue people have with this, the final four comes from the fact that they've been releasing rankings for most of this season. And, you had teams ahead of Ohio State in the rankings prior to this weekend who didn't lose and yet were jumped by Ohio State. That's what, and you know, I, I talked about that, that I thought that that was a bad idea to do it every week. I thought it was a bad idea to rank all 25 teams just because it was kind of silly. And, and also it, it showed the progress of teams and, and where they'd go. And, and really, I don't think that I would even – I really don't think I'd even release more than the top four if you are going to do it every week just for those exact reasons. You didn't know who the fifth team was, who the outside team was, and it does make them look a little bit silly when they have Ohio State jump. But here's the thing, and while I think it was, if you're a Baylor or TCU fan, you've got to be really upset and mad about it. And I I could make the case, and I feel like it'd be a winning case, that both Baylor and TCU have better resumes than Ohio State. I'm not overly impressed with Ohio State's resume, and I, and I feel that that loss against Virginia Tech was really, really bad. And I, as I've always said on this show, that I'm going to put more emphasis in who you lose to and where you lose versus who you beat and where you win. And that's just, uh, I know that I'm in the minority and having that as more important criteria, but I do. But Yates, do you think, do you think they have the four best teams in the playoffs? Uh, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I'd say one and two, probably, definitely. Uh, three, I mean, you can't not put Florida State in there. They haven't lost. They're defending champion. I mean, I think you can make a case for any of the three, Ohio State, TCU, or Baylor. I mean, so I, I you know, I, I don't know. I think they have four of the best seven or six in there, I guess. Well, I mean, I, 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 don't, I can't say definitively if Baylor is better than Ohio State or TCU is better than Ohio State. No, you, you can't. But just by watching these teams, I do think Ohio State is probably slightly better than Baylor and, and TCU. I think, honestly, TCU is probably a little bit better than Baylor. I know Baylor beat them. Uh, but if you watch that game, you didn't. You didn't flip the channel after that game was over thinking, okay, Baylor's a much better team than TCU, the way that game unfolded. 
and, and I think Baylor and TCU are both more deserving to be in the playoffs than Ohio State. But I think at the end of the day, they did get the best four teams in there. And, and here's the thing, not that it really matters. Ohio State's going to get crushed by Alabama. Baylor's going to get would, – would have gotten crushed by Alabama. TCU would have been crushed by Alabama. So I think Ohio State – in my opinion, despite that very, very ugly and embarrassing loss to Virginia Tech, I do think that they're probably better than those teams. And really, you know, I, I say, do, do they have the top four teams in the playoff? I, this is probably me being biased, but I do think Mississippi State's better than than Ohio State. I think if they were to play on a neutral field, Mississippi State would win. I think Miss Ole Miss is better. <clears throat> I, re- I really do. And, uh, you know, I... I I don't think this is going to sound really crazy. I don't think Georgia Tech is one of the top four teams in the country, but I, I do think Georgia Tech was was underrated all season and, and is a really good team. And I think a team like Georgia Tech could beat Ohio State. So the point is, I, I think you've got three teams, really two dominant teams in Alabama, Oregon. Florida State has been a bit underwhelming for being the only undefeated team in the country, but you have to put them in the playoffs, obviously. And then after that, I really don't know if you have a, a – definitive great team at number four and you don't and that's why there's so much controversy but I do think of the three teams considered and it was Ohio State Baylor and TCU uh, everybody knew Mississippi State wasn't going to get in Michigan State wasn't going to get in Arizona Ole Miss those schools weren't going to get in but of those three teams if you're going by resume it it probably should have been Baylor or TCU and if you're going by who you think the best team is it probably would have been Ohio State but uh, the college football playoff committee did not do themselves any favors. You you had so much controversy with the BCS year in and year out. And then the first year of the college football playoffs, you have this. Uh, I, I think what this says is that you're going to see the Big 12 change things up a little bit. I, maybe not this upcoming year, or, but I think eventually they're going to have to. It, it'll either be that or you're going to see the college football playoff change and you might see an expansion. And I, th- I think most people knew that there would eventually be an expansion, but it might come much sooner than later. Yates, would you be okay with them expanding the college football playoffs, say, to six or eight teams? I'd be okay with eight. That's about as much as I'd be okay with. I think beyond that, you're, you're putting teams in there that don't have any business being in there. Well, I, I don't think they'd go past eight, but I'm saying would you would you rather it be six or eight and, and have a – you know, an NFL playoff type setting with six teams or, or set up rather. I, I think I'd rather it be eight. Just even it all out, have everybody play the same number of teams. And, and of I, teams. I think that'd be fun. And, and I think the, the format they'd have if they were to do that would be they would eliminate conference championship games altogether, have the first round of this college football playoffs with eight teams, have it around December 15th. December 12th, you know, around that middle of December. And you'd have the the first four teams hosting the first round of the playoffs. So this year it would be Alabama hosting Michigan State, Oregon hosting Mississippi State, Florida State hosting TCU, Ohio State hosting Baylor. And, And one proposal that I've seen is you have the first four teams host and then the teams that lose that game, they go to bowl games, so they'll get another game, and then the final four you do a you do a set a setup like you have this year where you you send them to to bowl games neutral site and you have it work out that way. And I would be okay with that. 
and, and Yates, you say that after eight teams, no team has, you know, any business being in the college football playoff. Although I think Mississippi State's a very good team, and I think Michigan State's a very good team. They finished seventh and eighth in the college football playoffs. You know, the, both of those teams, especially Mississippi State, despite having a very tough schedule, Mississippi State had all the chances in the world to make this college football playoff. And, and I don't feel bad about them making it. And that's one thing that I, I would worry about having it eight teams is that you, like you said, Yates, for expanding it past eight teams, you're going to have teams in there that, that don't really have any business being in. And again, while I think Mississippi State's talented, they don't deserve to make any sort of playoff because they had chances to do it and didn't take advantage of them. So I, I, I think I'm on board with six, and, and it's probably not going to stay at six. It's going to move to to eight, and that's probably where they're going to finish it, and that might be in the next three to five years. But I think six would be good, and then you give the first two teams a bye, and then you could have the the three and four seeds host the playoff, host a home game, and six would have been perfect this year. Maybe that's why it's easy, and maybe that's why I, I'm saying that this year is because really there's only six teams in the conversation. But I think six is good because when you go to eight, you're going to have teams that had had their chances and didn't capitalize. You can make a case that Baylor got hosed. You can make a, ta- a case that TCU got hosed. But after that, you can't. But I do I do agree with you 100%, Yates, that it's a bad idea to ha- come out with the rankings every week. It's a bad idea to rank all 25 teams every week because now what you're saying is Ohio State's win against Wisconsin. And it was certainly impressive, you know, to be up 38 nothing at halftime you're saying their win against Wisconsin was greater than TCU playing Iowa State and demolishing them, which they did, and obviously what they had to do, or Baylor's convincing win against Kansas State. Basically, that's all you're saying. And you're saying that it's not only is it better, but it, it's it's so convincing that you're going to have them jump two spots. And I don't know if that's right or if that's fair. So if anybody says that Ohio State shouldn't be in, I don't have an I I I don't have a beef with that. But it's just it's it's unfortunate. What what else could TCU have done? And it makes you wonder why even rank them, and I believe they had them at number three, if I'm not mistaken. But why even rank them there? If you're going to Knowing that they're playing Iowa State, why rank them there? Knowing that even if they blow out win, get a blowout win, do what they're supposed to do, that if other teams do certain things, they're going to get bumped out. Why even rank them there in Week 15 in the first place? Knowing that TCU goes from three to six for killing. A very, very bad Iowa State team. Yes, Ohio State got an impressive win. Yes, Baylor got an impressive win. Yes, Florida State got an impressive win. But why why put TCU there in the first place? I don't know if if that makes... I don't think that makes sense to me. And it's unfortunate for TCU. 
So I, I think they should move to six teams. We've got some <clears throat> tweets that we need to read, but we're going to head to our first commercial break. So far, so good on my voice holding up, which I'm pretty happy about. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. To the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. We're back here, fourteen fifty. The Sports Buzz. Clayby one sixteen text on the show and says he loves how the committee is willing to completely start over and re rank teams each week, and that's had been his problem with the AP poll. It seems like each week rankings was based on the previous week's rankings, and the only way you can move up is if. Your team lost. And that's my thing is, is that what the college football playoff committee is doing? Are they re-ranking each week? Or are they bumping and doing certain tweaks to their poll based on who you win and who you beat? Because it, does, it doesn't seem like to me, Clay, you won 16, that they're completely re-ranking. And yes, I say that if you're Baylor and TCU, you're a little disappointed because you got bumped. But it's obvious that... They just put a lot of stock and value in Ohio State's win. And Rob Blackhawk said that I think the committee was thrown for a wrench when Ohio State whipped Wisconsin way worse than expected. And that's exactly what happened. He, he's, he's exactly right. And I, I think I disagree with you, Clay B116, that they are re-ranking these teams. Or they're, they're not re-ranking these teams. It's not a complete re-rank. In order to move up, you have to do something good. And in order to move down, you either have to lose or somebody has to do – you don't really control necessarily your own destiny, and TCU saw that firsthand. You know, and Ohio State didn't necessarily control their own destiny. They took care of business on themselves, and it happened to work out. But what if Baylor beats Kansas State 41-14? to Then Ohio State's probably out. And I think this all falls back on them every week releasing a new top 25. If you want to have these college football shows and you want to make some money off TV, here's the thing to do. Release a poll after week four. Release one after week eight. And then release a final one. Or release one after uh, this has sixteen weeks of re- or sixteen weeks of college football. So uh, in that case, do it week five, do it week ten, and then do it after the conference championship games, and then call it a call it finished. Because when you do it every week, then you are just conforming to the regular AP poll or the coaches poll, where in order to move up and move down, certain things have to happen. What I wish they would have done this week is just completely ignored their pass poll, completely ignore their week 15 poll. 
and sat down and looked at the complete body of work of these three teams. Because, again, it was clear Alabama was getting in. It was clear Oregon was getting in. It was clear Florida State was getting in. And honestly, while it, while it was clear Oregon was getting in, you could make an argument that Oregon should have been in the same conversation. And this is something that I started saying about five weeks ago when all these teams either were undefeated and had one loss and Oregon was ahead of all these one-loss teams. Now things kind of played out as they did and there's only a handful of one-loss teams left that were really being considered. But, you know, looking at their schedule, you can make a case that Oregon's resume isn't that much better than some of these other teams. Now, what it comes down to is Oregon playing Michigan State in the out-of-conference. And once, and the committee's going to value that greatly. And that makes sense. But really, who did Oregon beat that was so great? UCLA was overrated all season. I don't care what people say. Utah was good. And Arizona was good. I think Arizona was a little bit overrated as well. But they were good, and Arizona beat them. <clears throat> you just can't lose at home, in my opinion. I'm going to – I just put so much more value in losing on the road than losing at home because losing at – home games are the games you're supposed to win, especially if you're a good team. So Oregon losing to Arizona at home is a, not a great loss, despite Arizona finishing top 10 in the, in the college football rankings. Ohio State losing at home to Virginia Tech, a team that barely got six wins – that is unbelievably bad. And who cares if Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech at home in week two or if they lost the last week of the season? I, I, here's my problem, Clay B116, is that they put way too much stock in when you lose and, and not so much who beat you and where that game took place, but when. If Ohio State was undefeated all season and lost the last week of the year to Virginia Tech in the manner that they did, there's no way they'd be in the college football playoffs, even if they beat Wisconsin the way that they did in the Big 12, Big 10 championship game. If that game would have happened the last week of the regular season, there's no way. So that's why I think this isn't your normal, or this is why this is just similar to an A people, is that they don't take into consideration when you lost. If Oregon were to lose at home the last week of the season to Arizona and then on the neutral field beat Arizona the way that they did, I'm not so sure Oregon's in the conversation. So you can make, with all these one-loss teams, whether it's Oregon, Baylor, TCU, and Ohio State, you can make the case that the two Big 12 schools have better resumes. Now, again, I, I think Oregon's the second-best team in the country, so I'm okay with them being in. I'm not going to put up a fight about it. And I do think Ohio State's probably better than Baylor and TCU, so I'm not upset about that either. What I am upset about is the system that they have in place and how they're doing it every week.
it'll be interesting to see what changes they make and, and when they make them. But I am excited for the college football playoff, nonetheless. I am excited for the Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Ohio State. I was talking with some friends. How fun would it be if your team was in the college football playoff? And, you know, realistically with Kentucky, it, it seems like if that ever happens, it's probably a little ways away. Louisville, it, it seems a little ways away, but it could happen. It could eventually happen. But how fun would that be? It's basically like you get two weekends of the Final Four, or you potentially get two weekends of the Final Four, or you potentially get two BCS Bowl games back-to-back. And obviously, as a Kentucky, uh, somebody that covers Kentucky, I haven't been able to experience UK in a bowl game, but I've been to a, a BCS Bowl game, rather. But I've been to BCS Bowl game before, and, and I, I, I've experienced that atmosphere. And as a fan, to, po- to potentially be able to do that two weeks in a row in unbelievably awesome cities, that's awesome. That would be awesome. And it really would be like just having back-to-back weekends of Final Four. Final Four is generally in cool cities, not always in warm cities, which is a little problem that I have with it, but it's generally in pretty cool cities. And to be able to do that weekend after weekend, and some of you might say, well, isn't that basically what the NCAA tournament is? Sweet 16 and Elite Eight atmospheres don't have Final Four atmospheres, and anybody can tell you that. Indianapolis may have been an exception uh, because you had Louisville and Kentucky there, and Michigan, you had a bunch of schools that were close. That might that that was an exception. But for the most part, if you're an Alabama fan, you get to go down to New Orleans you get to go be on Bourbon Street, one of the greatest cities in America, watch football, a huge football game. And then if you win, you get to head to Phoenix and do it all over again a week later. So I can't wait to watch how all of this plays out. Yates, should we start a 1450 bracket pool for the college football playoffs? Uh, sure, why not? I'll throw a dollar in on that. There's so many different possibilities. I wonder if ESPN's doing something with if you get a perfect bracket in the college football playoffs, you win a million dollars. They should. That would be nice. And then you'd have to split it, and everybody would end up winning about a cent, maybe two cents. Or you'd owe ESPN money somehow. But I, I do think Alabama won't have too many problems with Ohio State. You do have to give Ohio State credit for how they've battled with, with seemingly so many injuries. Uh, especially at the quarterback position throughout the year. I think Alabama won't have too many problems with them. And then the the Oregon-Florida State game is surprising to me because this is really when push comes to shove for Florida. Florida State, rather. Are you a legitimate top three, top five team that can beat anybody? Or have you just been sliding by haven't haven't faced a a real dominant team all season and the first one you do you're going to fold I'm curious to see it and this is likely going to be uh, a game featuring two Heisman winners I think Marcus Mariota without a doubt is going to win the Heisman and obviously Jameis Winston won last last year 
So this is going to be the the put up or shut up game for Florida State. Obviously, it's winner go home. But if Oregon were to blow them out and win easily, then you're going to have people saying I saying I told you so about Florida State all year. I don't think Florida State's a great team, and I and I do think Oregon Oregon's going to blow them out. But I will I will be interested to see because Florida State has just been. So average this year, but still, you got to give them credit for finding ways to win game and win game and win in close games. Something that has to be said about how hard that is to do, and they've been able to do it for two straight seasons. But I think Oregon, without a doubt, beats them. And then you're going to have Alabama, Oregon, (coughs) excuse me, in Phoenix. And I think Alabama's the best team in the country. So I think they're going to be able to win that. We'll have to see. It'll be pretty fun. Louisville heading to the Belk Bowl. Haven't really had much time to talk about this today. It had seemed without a doubt Louisville was going to be heading to the Music City Bowl, which I know the majority of Louisville fans were okay with and honestly were excited about was the vibe that I got from some of my Louisville friends. And then at the last minute, you heard some rumblings about LSU not wanting to to play an ACC team in the Music City Bowl, which means they wanted to play Notre Dame, which Notre, the Music City Bowl has that option with the ACC tie-ins and, and this and that. Yates, were you following along live while this was unfl- unfolding yesterday afternoon? I was not. You were not. Uh, I, I had some of my friends... And even my my dad was looking into hotel rooms in Nashville, and, and luckily I, I think all those were refundable. But here's the, here's the thing that Louisville fans, I, I don't know if all of them understand or if I'm sure they, they probably do. With this college football playoff, and I've actually said this for a while, even before the college football playoff, but bowl games and the name of bowl games is so overrated. First off, there's no difference in terms of prestige of playing in the Music City Bowl versus the Belk Bowl. None. Not this year, not last year, not five years ago. They're both not great bowl games, <coughs> in my opinion. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the it doesn't matter if it's the Orange Bowl. It doesn't matter if it's the Orange Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl. Or the Music City Bowl. What matters is who you're playing. It matters about who you're playing and the hype that will surround that game. Let me ask you this. And from a national standpoint, what game is more appealing between the Fiesta Bowl, a former BCS Bowl, and will host college football playoff games going down the road, Boise State versus Arizona, or the Belk Bowl, Louisville versus Georgia. Nationally, more people are going to care about the Belk Bowl. Nationally, more people are going to care about Notre Dame-LSU, even though Notre Dame is not a good team. And LSU is pretty underwhelming as well. So it doesn't matter what bowl you're in. 
it matters who you're playing and the hype around that game. And had it been Louisville in the Music City Bowl against LSU, that would have probably been the best-case scenario. So I get why Louisville fans are a little bummed out by that because you probably would have had 30,000, 40,000 Louisville fans down there. LSU would have brought a bunch of fans, and you would have built up, been able to build up hype that way. Now Louisville likely won't have as many fans at the Belk Bowl. I'm curious to see Georgia's turn out and how excited they're going to be to be there. <clears throat> but from a recruiting standpoint, this is big. If Louisville can beat Georgia, Louisville does a lot of recruiting in the South. If they're able to beat Georgia, that's something they're going to sell to kids, without a doubt. So I'm curious to see uh, the turnout, and, and I, I think it worked out fine for Louisville. Again, Nashville would have been nicer. Nashville's a, a more fun city. But you, if you're a Louisville fan, you wanted an SEC opponent, you got one. And it, and it should be a, it, it's a winnable one, too. There were some teams that I thought if Louisville's matched up against in these bowls, the cards wouldn't have a great chance. Arkansas being one of them, Auburn being one of them. I think Tennessee would have been a tough matchup for Louisville. But I think LSU would have been a nice matchup for Louisville. It would have been, and I think Georgia's a pretty solid matchup. Those are teams Louisville can beat. So, uh, obviously, you know, Trevor and the gang, they're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Uh, and we've got plenty of time to discuss I guess we have until uh, I think the game's December 30th. So obviously plenty of time to discuss that and all of the other bowl games. So we're going to take a break, our last commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little more basketball. UK's three-point troubles. seems like I've been on a seesaw whether or not this will be an issue or not an issue. Let's see where I land after the break. This is the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. We'll be right back. So nice. So nice. I got you. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz. One final segment. Cold winter is officially here. Um, would wish it would be, it's already kind of overwhelming that it's cold and the weather's not even that bad and it, it's it's not like I have to walk to class anymore or spend a lot of time outside but it's a little overwhelming just knowing that you, we probably have two and a half more months of this but oh well got college basketball and uh, bowl games and the college football playoffs so <clears throat> plenty to keep us entertained so as I mentioned before the break, three-point shooting has been a touchy subject for Kentucky the last two games as they beat Texas and beat Eastern Kentucky and moved to 9-0 to and oh on the season. In Kentucky's last two games, in, those, in, the, in the games I'm talking about, just three 
or, or excuse me, four of 25, uh, which sounds a little bit better than it actually was in those games. Uh, Kentucky ends up with three three-pointers last night after not having one under the four-minute timeout for the second straight game. So it's a little bit better than it actually seems. Here's the thing. At the beginning of the year, I said this could be a concern. You don't have a dead-eye knockdown three-point shooter, and any team that doesn't have that, three-point shooting could be an issue. And and, uh, the 2012-2011 Kentucky teams had Deron Lamb. You didn't have to worry about three-point shooting. 2010 team, the most the, the best team in college basketball that year, did not have a great it didn't have any great three-point shooters, with the exception of a, a young Darius Miller, maybe. And he wasn't great by any means, but he was a guy that could knock him down. I guess John Wall could knock him down here and there. Eric Bledsoe could knock him down here and there. Darnell Dotson, who could forget. They could knock them down, but they none of them were great three-point shooters. Last year, no great three-point shooter, but guys that could knock him down. Uh, better than the 2010 team. And I, and I think this year is a, a lot more similar to last year's team than the 2010 team. So my point is, I'm not too concerned about three-point shooting. And after the last two games, yeah, that, that may sound crazy. Kentucky, since 1988, since November of 1988, has hit a three in every game. In the last two games, they got under the the final timeout of the game and didn't have one and I'm not concerned about three-point shooting, that might sound wild, but right now Kentucky's not having to score from outside. It doesn't even seem like a part of their offense. How many plays can you remember this season? You could probably count on on one hand that John Calipari has designed where a three-point shooter was going to be open, and, th- and that was the design play. Now there's been plenty of penetration and kickouts. There's been plenty of inside-outs for threes. But it doesn't seem like it's designed. It doesn't seem a designed part of their offense just yet. If Aaron Harrison has an open three, you're wanting him to take it every time. If Devin Booker has an open three, you're wanting him to take it every time. Tyler Eulis, we've got a small sample size, but he's shooting 53% from three. If he's wide open, you want him to take it. The problem is they're just not getting super wide-open looks. Now, they're getting some okay looks, but not wide-open looks. So I'm not complete. I'm not hitting the panic button on, on three-point shooting just yet. And if it does get to the point where you're hitting the panic button, then it is time. It, it's a little time. It's, a, it's, it's time to worry about UK's season outlook. That could be a way Kentucky loses games. Right now, I think Kentucky can miss every... I, I, I don't think they need threes to win games just yet. If it gets to a point where they do, and they're not able to hit them, then obviously they're going to be in trouble. I, I think they have enough offense and they have enough options where even against the, the tightest packed-in zones, they're going to be okay. And even in those cases, you're going to get some open looks. The, the Kentucky game against West Virginia in 2010 where Kentucky goes 4-32 from three, probably 20 of those threes were wide open, and Kentucky just wasn't able to hit. If you're going to give this UK team wide open looks from threes, I'm not too concerned. Right now, they're not getting a ton, so they're not forcing them, and they're scoring in other ways. They're scoring inside. So I wouldn't worry just yet.
This team has shooters. One interesting note that I'm that I, I wanted to talk about and, and was on our message board and I thought it'd be interesting to bring up is the lack of playing time from from Derek Willis. I might need more time to spend talking about it. He's averaging just over six minutes a game. Didn't play against Providence, didn't play against Texas, played just two minutes yesterday in a uh, you know, a huge blowout win, a 33-point win. He came in and hit a three. But I'm wondering if Kentucky fans are a bit surprised to see him not playing as much. And I'll say this, I am. He looked really good in the Bahamas. But what, what this says to me is that, and Derek Willis is known for a three-point shooter, so if three-point shooting actually was a concern, he could possibly be an option to to help fix that. But what this says to me is that John Calipari's keyed in. He's locked in. And he knows that this could be a great team. This could be one of the all-time great teams in college basketball. And he wants to get the most out of those 10 guys, his 10 guys, that he can. And he wants to narrow even... I, I don't think he wants to do, do the platoon thing all, the, all season. And I almost made it the whole show without saying platoon. I don't think he wants to do the platoon thing all season. So... I think he's he, he's keying in right now, and he's going to key in even further as the season goes on so to where he has a very reliable seven, eight guys, and he won't be reluctant to play the other two or three. So I think why you're not seeing Derek Willis get a ton of minutes is he doesn't want to spread himself too thin just yet. He wants to make sure everything's clicking with some of his guys, and it wasn't the prettiest of performances against Eastern Kentucky last night. It was a very ugly game at times, lackluster performance from Kentucky at times. So while it is unfortunate for Derek Willis, I think he's a guy that can play at a lot of places. I wouldn't expect him to get a lot more playing time as this season goes on, and the schedule is only going to get tougher. UNC this weekend, uh, which will be a, a fun game. UK announces today that they're going to play UCLA in home and home starting next year going out to Los Angeles next year and, and coming back to Lexington the following. But the, but the UNC game this weekend should be... Uh, there's a lot to talk about there. It'll be a great atmosphere. It'll be a fun game to watch. But I don't think it'll be a close game. And we'll talk more about that later on the week. So thanks for listening. I'm glad to be back. And I'll be back tomorrow, 3 o'clock, 14.50, the Sports Buzz. We'll talk to you then. They say welcome to the 502 Take the Georgia boy, show them how Kentucky do Oprah Preach Classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 27, don't be hitting two Song call it blue, grass song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two to the door